if I just obey the moral law, I don't steal, I don't kill, I don't commit adultery, you know, the really bad stuff, then I'm a Christian, right? I must be a Christian. Or maybe you're the kind of person that's, you're just tired of being around these legalistic people that seem to not really have a loving heart. And you say, I don't live under the Old Testament. I live under the New Testament. Good morning and welcome to God's resistance. Good morning on this Lord's Day. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. We are local. We're in the Wyoming Valley, and, and more particularly right now in the Wilkesbury area. Uh, we're looking to start small groups and to talk about spiritual matters and look at the Bible together. You may have seen us out on the Market Square in downtown Wilkesbury. But we're trying to spread the gospel in this area. We're trying to talk to people about Christ. We're, di we're disciples and trying to be disciples ourselves and align our lives with Christ. And we want to do the same for others. And we want to spread the gospel throughout this valley and start many churches. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us because we put video content up there, teaching and preaching that's going to help you along in your journey. And you can find us on YouTube as well. If you go there, make sure to subscribe, turn on the bell to be notified of any new videos that we put up. And please also look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We're on nine different platforms. Also visit us at www.godsresistance.com. And if you would like to have a Bible study, you want to pray with somebody, you want to talk to somebody, then please contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's enter in on today's briefing. Last time we were talking about being salt and light in the world. That's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. We're continuing and the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Now, Jesus was talking about something of the quality of his disciples, and he's still yet doing that, but more particularly trying to help the general population of people understand something, as he, as he does throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount, but something in specific about the law, which was like the kingpin to Jewish culture, especially those that were the Pharisees. So let's jump right in. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So the radical Pharisees, they thought that Jesus was a compromiser, subverting their most holy religion. These people were so zealous about following after the law. Over the years, there had been certain uh, Jewish rabbis that had also written commentaries that had a bunch of laws in it so that it would help them obey the laws of God. And so they were very meticulous about following these laws and following these rules, but there was an issue. There was a problem there. They weren't quite doing it the way that it was intended. And so Jesus, in speaking this, 
He needed to calm even the more conservative bunch that was among the people that may have been influenced by the Pharisees, because most of the Pharisees, as we read in the scriptures, they weren't really interested in what Jesus had to say. There was a few, but most of them were not. But it seems like Jesus' statement here is trying to help the people that really do want the truth and want to walk with God. He and, and they're more of that conservative bent. He wanted to help them to realize he was not a subverter. He wasn't coming here to try and tear things apart, but to help them understand the truth and the essence of God's law. And the danger to a conservative person when a threat comes is to really just become more conservative, batten down the hatches, you know, get ready for war and be more conservative and more radical yet. That seems to be just human nature. You know, we just, we get defensive and we, we put up the walls and we want to fight back. But Jesus also needed to instruct the common people because they had been taught by the Pharisees for a very long time. So when Jesus spoke to conservative people saying that he didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, he came to fulfill them, Jesus had to also balance out what thoughts may be in some of the common people's minds. And the danger of somebody that perhaps isn't of that radical conservative bent, if they were there hearing Jesus' statement, the danger would be that they would completely throw off all restraint and be sinning against God just the same. And, and Jesus didn't want anybody to be living a life of sin. He was trying to help them to see what true righteousness is. And so when Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets, what does he mean by the law and the prophets? Some of you may know, but it's helpful to go over this. The law refers to, in the Jewish mind, especially of those days, the law refers to the first five books of the Bible. The prophets that referred to all of the major and minor prophets in the Old Testament. And these two categories of scripture were held in very high esteem by the Pharisees and really all the Jewish people. And the Pharisees particularly would have referenced more so the law than the prophets, but they would have referenced the law and the prophets to prove their beliefs and actions. So when Jesus came speaking, they thought, well, Moses said this. How many times have you uh, read about the Pharisees? saying, well, Moses said this, and what do you say? Uh, and maybe sometimes it would have quoted something of the prophets if it really backed up what they were, what point they were trying to make uh, with Jesus and in front of the common people. So Jesus came to show everyone what the intent of the law and the prophets really were and to us really are. The Pharisees came about in the silent years between the last prophet of the Old Testament and the birth of Christ. If you look in history, you can trace the beginnings of the Pharisees back to the Maccabean revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes. You can read about this uh, in the Catholic Bible that still has the Apocrypha contained in it. You can probably find it online, but you can read about the Maccabean revolt and Antiochus Epiphanes and get a, a whole bigger picture than what I'm able to give you now. But suffice it to say, Antiochus Epiphanes was changing the Jewish law and causing the Jewish people to do wickedly against what they knew. He was basically just telling them, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to concern yourself with the law like this. Here, here's a new, easier thing for you to do. This was kind of his, you know, slippery attitude. He was a sneaky snake and trying to subvert the Jewish religion. Well, the Maccabeans, they stood against this destructive influence, which you can read about in the book of Maccabees. There's a couple books there uh, that you can read about in the Apocrypha. And I just want to make this statement. The apocryphal books that are in 
uh, the Catholic Bible, they are not recognized and have not been recognized by the the church universal as being the inspired word of God. However, they are helpful history for you and I to read. So I want you to understand that. And you can look up that also about why certain books were chosen to be a part of the inspired word of God and why the apocryphal books were rejected. You could find that through some internet search. Uh, that's really not where we are right now. But the Maccabeans, they stood against the destructive influence of Antiochus Epiphany. Unfortunately, this gave birth to the Pharisees, which ended up being a radicalized people with little to no spiritual life. In the beginning, they started out well, but at the end, it was not going so well. So they were very religious people. But the problem was that they were not a spiritual people. They missed the intent and heart of God behind the law, and then they made the law their God. So they completely veiled the face of God in order to slavishly obey this law and really work up their own righteousness, as we read uh, later in some of the epistles of Paul. So as far as the common people were concerned, they just listened to what the Pharisees said, because you know these Pharisees, they're the religious scholars. You know They're the religious elite. They know what they're talking about. They've studied. They've gone to quote-unquote seminary. So do the common people living a life pleasing to God, uh, to the common people, uh, living a life pleasing to God, it almost looked impossible as, as far as it was interpreted by the Pharisees. They're like, man, I can't do this. I, I don't even know half the laws these guys are talking about. I guess I'll just kind of you know, be a miserable sinner and try my best. And, and I don't know, or sometimes maybe they didn't even try their best at all. It seemed like it was just unreachable, the common person. So Jesus, he came to show what God really meant through the law and the prophets and bring everybody on a level playing field. It's quite interesting that people today somehow still think, even in spite of this verse we just read, verse 17, Today, people still somehow think that Jesus came to abolish the law. You may have heard others teach that we don't live under the Old Testament or under the Old Covenant anymore. We live under the New Covenant. Therefore, we don't have to be obedient to God. We've got to stop for a second here. It is true that we aren't under the Old Covenant. We are under the New Covenant, which is a, a, a living, a breathing walk and relationship with God that starts by the new birth, which is a radical change of heart. That is the covenant that we're under. But the next part of what a lot of people would say in these days when they say that they live under the new covenant, what they're really saying is, I can still kind of keep sinning in my life. I just, I live under a grace covenant. So that gives me an excuse to sin. Paul said in one place, uh, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, or certainly not. Uh, we know that's not that that's not the gospel, no matter what people try and tell us. Any simple-minded person just taking a look logically at the scriptures would agree with what I'm saying, that the, that the gospel does not teach a sinning religion. So you may have heard that. We're not under the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. And they probably the people that say that, they probably wouldn't say that we don't have to be obedient to God, though that's literally what they do, and that's literally what happens. We're told how we are to look at Scripture and how to use it in another place in 2 Timothy 3.16. We're told all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. So let's just look at this for a second. Here we're looking at one of the epistles to Timothy from Paul to Timothy. This was before the New Testament was even written. Paul was writing these letters presently. There may have been some in circulation then, but it wasn't, it wasn't until a little bit later before they pulled all these together and, and really comprised the New Testament, realizing that this was God's divine revelation and stamp on the apostles and, and then putting that into the Bible. So at that point, when, when Timothy says this, he's talking about the Old Testament, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Wow. So that's different than the modern day thought that I don't live under the old covenant. I live under the new covenant. I don't have to do what the old Testament says, just the new Testament. Well, the thing is, is if we do what the new Testament says, we will often be fulfilling the law of the old Testament. And we're going to see that. Something that helps us to understand this is that there's three different types of the law that are seen in the Old Testament, civil, ceremonial, and moral. So the civil law, uh, if we look in there, there there are some civil laws that applied specifically to the Hebrew people in their circumstances and in their culture at that time. And that helps us to understand that there are civil laws in the scriptures that may not be applicable to us in our present civil government. Then there was the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law, uh, this was the sacrifices that were made. This was the Levitical priesthood. This was all the the various washings, the tabernacle, what they could wear, and various other things. The ceremonial law was done away with, with the sacrifice in the cross of Christ. That was abolished. So some parts of the civil law are not applicable. The ceremonial law was abolished wholesale as it was under the old covenant. And then the third law that we kind of law that we see in the New Testament, civil, ceremonial, and the third, the moral law. The moral law, however, stands forever. Whenever is it that God then abolishes the law of what is right and wrong, morally speaking, in perpetuity? The moral law stands forever. Often when people say that we're not under the Old Testament, but the new, they mean that they can still sin their life away because God's grace covers it all. In other words, Jesus fulfilled the moral law so we don't have to. And I say, what a cheap salvation. That is so cheap. Jesus did not shed his blood so that we could get our ticket punched and we could put on rose-colored glasses And he dresses us up and makes us look righteous, even though we're full of dead bones, because that was his problem. That was his problem with the Pharisees. And that was his problem with humanity, that we were lost in sin and gripped in the clutches of sin. And he came to destroy the works of the devil and to free us. So he's not about a cheap salvation. He is about truth. He came to fulfill the law, as this verse said. So Jesus came to fulfill this law. He fulfilled it himself. And he will fulfill it in any others. Notice that's anybody. He's no respecter of person. He'll fulfill it in any other that repent and believe on him. And he's not going to just pretend that you are fulfilling the law by some theological fiction, but he will impart his spirit into your heart that you will literally be a changed person and that you will fulfill his law. Let's pick up our study here on the 18th verse. For truly, now Jesus talking, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, 
Not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So until heaven and earth is passed away, he's saying until time as we know it shall end, all the law will be fulfilled. We're not doing away with any of it. The law and the prophets are finally fulfilled when heaven and earth pass away. There's some things that have already been fulfilled, but there's some things that have yet to be fulfilled. And we can find those things in the law and the prophets, literally in the entirety of scripture. The Bible tells us that there is a new heaven and a new earth coming. We look in 2 Peter 3, verses 10 through 12, and we're told, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought ye to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? So we know that this earth is going to pass away. It's headed for a fiery destruction. There's a great day coming where both small and great will stand before God and the judgment seat of Christ. Do you think that Jesus came so that we could continue to live wickedly however we please and he would just overlook it? Or do you think he came to make us truly righteous because the law couldn't do that? The law could only tell us that we've broken it, that we're sinners. But Jesus could save us and change us. He says, not an iota and not a dot of the law will be unfulfilled. It will not be overlooked until that day when heaven and earth be passed away. And at that point, all of those things will be fulfilled, all of what has been said in there. So when we think about the iota or the dot, it's helpful to understand a little bit about Hebrew uh, alphabet and letters and writing. The smallest, he's literally saying the smallest letter or the smallest line or dot that may be part of a letter, it will, will not be overlooked. And in the Hebrew um, writing, and I don't, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I know this much, um, there are letters that look so similar except for a dot or except for a line. That would be much akin to if we were to look at a capital O and a capital Q. The only thing that differs them is the little line that goes through the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, of a capital O to make it a Q. And so there's something like that akin in the Hebrew language. Not one of those dots would be unfulfilled. Not one of those little lines would be unfulfilled. Every detail will be noticed. He was telling them that nothing, even though it be so small, was unimportant or ignored in the revealed will and law of God. So every intricacy of the law will be fulfilled and God's original purpose will be accomplished. The Pharisees and the common people were extremely confused as to what that was supposed to look like. So not only would these things be accomplished in the end, but they were to begin to be accomplished now. And that's kind of the force of Jesus' words as he's speaking to them here in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's move forward to verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So let's pull this part apart. (laughs) Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, the Pharisees at this point, when he said this, I wonder if 
I mean, I know they were kind of before thinking he's a compromiser, but then when he said, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if they were tickled with pride. And, they, and that just helped in, in their own thinking to validate their ultra-radical religion that totally negated the true spiritual life that God wanted to give the people, his people. Jesus, however, in spite, instead of that, what the Pharisees may have thought, Jesus, however, was introducing the essence of the standard, and it was much higher than what was presently understood. Whoever meant the Pharisees and the common people, he said, whoever relaxes it. So that wasn't, the Pharisees weren't out of this. It, he was, Jesus was talking to everybody. Whoever does this, no respecter of persons, doesn't matter what status you have, whoever relaxes. Jesus, however, added specific correction for their hypocritical religious Pharisees. Many people um, use this to call anybody who is conservative and careful a Pharisee. You know, they look, they see how Jesus was so against the Pharisees, and they think anybody that lives a conservative lifestyle, anybody that seems to radically obey God, they would just lump them as a Pharisee. But that is not quite accurate. God still wants us to obey him. There was a certain way in which the Pharisees were doing things that was hypocritical and wrong. The truth that we must understand is that if we are truly Christian, we will be living differently and we will obey God in everything because of the change God has wrought in our heart. What he's done in us is going to make us live different. Uh, at another time, we're going to be going farther into this same chapter in Matthew and to understand what Jesus meant by relaxing the law, because he didn't leave this up for our interpretation, but he spelled out what this relaxing of the law looked like very clearly. And it's very telling that those specifics that Jesus shares with us later in this chapter are moral in quality and not just a list of rules. Remember when a little while back when I talked about the civil, the ceremonial, and the moral law, and that the civil and ceremonial are gone. And we we don't not obey our civil government, but not all of that applies to us in America. But the moral law stands to every ethnicity, to every nation, and to every culture. It stands forever because it is God's heart. It's God's holiness. So it is very curious if we think that God, uh, you know, he just gave us grace through Jesus Christ so we can live however we want. Why is it that when later he goes into these scriptures about what the relaxing of this law looks like, all of it's of a moral quality. We have to look at that, and we'll look at that a little later. It is very evident that he was accusing the Pharisees of relaxing the law and teaching others to do the same thing as he goes through that list. Jesus, Jesus publicly said that the Pharisees were the least in the kingdom of heaven and not the greatest like they prided themselves to be. Now their bubble's getting burst. And then he says, okay, so there's some of you that are relaxing the laws and teaching other people to do it, but whoever does them and teaches them, ooh, this is a different class of people. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them. This statement opened up really the possibility for the low people in, the so in society to be great. Remember when I was saying in the beginning to the common people, the way the Pharisees lived, it was like, forget it. I can't get to that height. I can't live like that. I don't even know half these things these guys are talking about. But when Jesus said, whoever does these things and teaches them, and he was telling them, I'm about to tell you what they are, you're the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now these people that are low in society suddenly feel like they can sit up. 
maybe I have a chance to be righteous before God. If you can be obedient and teach others to be, you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said. Jesus effectively stripped the oppressive power of the Pharisees off of the common people, and he made an entrance into heaven to any that would simply just obey him, that would simply walk in the truth and the light that he was giving. And greatness in the kingdom of heaven, you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. Greatness in God's sight is often the opposite of what the world thinks. The world has their values, and I've, I've said it to people this way before, it's like God works in golf scores. It's not whoever has the most points wins, it's whoever has the least points. He's done it to confound the mighty and the wise. He's done it so that people can look at these nobodies that God saves, radically transforms, and lifts up, and they become somebodies. It was said of the Methodists back in the days of John Wesley, uh, people said that out of the Methodist movement came so many noble, upstanding citizens and the best statesmen. And if you look at the lives of these people that that the quoted person was talking about, these were poor people. They were the nobodies of society. The, the gospel of Christ and the salvation of Christ, it, it just lifts people up to a different plane, even in this life, not, not to mention their spiritual life. But he said, if you'll just obey, you'll do this and you'll teach others to, you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're in trouble. You're not on your way to heaven. The Pharisees made up rules to keep the law of God as if the law of God wasn't enough. It, it, we're told that there were 613 original laws in the first five books of the Bible. The Pharisees then made up a bunch of rules, kind of like a fence around the law of Moses, so as to not even come close to breaking God's law. They were more concerned with meticulously keeping these laws than having the true spirit of the law in their hearts. The Pharisees, the motive of their heart, and Jesus pointed out so many different times, the Pharisees wanted to appear righteous. The problem was God wants people to be righteous. In being righteous, we will do righteously. The Pharisees wanted the praise of men, but God could care less about appearance if there's no reality in. It doesn't impress God. God doesn't want lip service, but obedient service from a heart of love to Christ. The true righteousness of God is a radical inward righteousness that the Holy Spirit himself does in the heart of him that repents of their sins and believes on Jesus to save him. True righteousness is also when we surrender all our perceived good over to God and allow him to fill us with the Holy Spirit and burn out the chaff of carnal desire with the fire of the Holy Ghost. That is what Jesus came to do. Jesus effectively gave permission to the common people to not be like the Pharisees, but to seek a higher, godly, divine righteousness. If all you want is to appear righteous and get the praise of men without having uh, that real inward righteousness, then you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to be the most upstanding religious scholar to please God and be a Christian. If you can simply repent and trust in Jesus to save you from your sins and walk humbly and be obedient to him, 
He can make a nobody into somebody. You'll be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And really, in God's sight, that's all that matters. So have you felt like you weren't the super Christian? Or maybe you feel now like you aren't the super Christian? You looked at other people and thought, well, I'm not going to be uh, you know, as clean and neat and as upstanding as they are and have the perfect house and have a, you know, that they're well-spoken and all this. And I've got a pretty awful background. Maybe that's what you're thinking. After having listened to this and, and hearing what Jesus said and looking how Jesus acted with the people that were the low of society, is there any hope that surges up inside of your heart? You feel that there may be a chance for you to be somebody in God's sight. A change of heart is accessible to anybody that will hear Jesus' words and obey them. Not the letter of the law, but rather to repent of their sins and trust in him so he can give them true spiritual life. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com and to introduce yourself to me. Set up a time so that we can meet. I want to coach and help you to further your walk with God. Then like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You're going to find teaching and preaching videos there that are going to help you along in your journey. You're going to be able to connect with others that are also going on their own journey. And I want you also to tell your friends about this broadcast. Every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. And then also tell them about our social media. Join the resistance. God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.